0: Bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American.
1: Welcome everyone, I'm Paul Dragu. We're glad you can join us. A Michigan mom was just convicted of manslaughter, but not because of what she did, it's what her son did. Also, for many weeks now, European farmers have been protesting EU restrictions that affect their livelihoods and the continent's food supply. Well, it turns out that all that disruption in flying manure worked. And in a little bit, John Birch Society National Field Coordinator John Schrock joins us to discuss recent victories that Birchers have notched across the country. We have all that coming up, but first, the Republican Nevada caucus is being held today, but the outcome is already determined. Two days ago, Nevada held its primary, but the GOP decided to ignore the primary results and go with a separate caucus instead. As a result, Donald Trump didn't even bother to put his name on Tuesday's ballot. This cleared the way for GOP also ran Nikki Haley to carry the day, or so she thought. As it turns out, Haley couldn't even defeat none of these candidates. Nikki Haley has lost
2: to the option that reads, none of these candidates. Former President Trump did not appear on the ballot.
1: It turns out Trump's campaign encouraged Trump supporters to vote in the primary just for fun. There were no delegates at stake, but Trump didn't want to give Haley any satisfaction whatsoever. So Trump supporters voted in droves, leaving no doubt as to today's outcome or who will end up the GOP nominee for that matter. Haley, on the other hand, is proving a bit of a sore loser. Unlike the other major GOP contenders who all dropped out gracefully weeks ago, she accused the Trump camp of rigging the game in Nevada, and she vowed to stay in the race at least through Super Tuesday. I mean, we always knew Nevada was a scam. Trump had it rigged from the very beginning. There are multiple press stories on that. The GOP chair had been indicted um, and they wanted us to pay 55000 to just participate in their caucus. So we didn't spend a day or a dollar there. We weren't even worried about it. It's why we haven't talked about it. Our focus is on South Carolina going into Michigan, going into Super Tuesday. Those are the places that we're worried about. We're not focused on right, Nevada. We about- never were. Jeremy, this guy's today's stories is the executive senior editor of the New American Magazine. Hey, Steve. Namaste. How are you doing? Paul? Oh, I forgot to say your name, Steve Bontov. That's and me. Two. Yes. So this kind of reminded me of a, like a college football game where uh, one team runs up the score to to crush the spirit of of the opponent. Uh, but I think more importantly, the question is. Why is Nikki Haley still in the race? It looks like it's all but over. Is there something that she knows that we don't know? Does the GOP, the Republicans, they know something we don't know? Well, well
2: first of all, concerning the college football metaphor, it, it bears ca- clarification that by comparison with, with college football, I mean, college football is, is a, a model of decorum and decency and civil behavior. Compared to American electoral politics, particularly at the presidential <laughs> level, yeah. so so there's that. You haven't been and, on
1: campus, have you?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, at least at least college football is constrained by rules, and and I have to yeah. say today it's a lot more civil than it was when I was an undergraduate several mm. decades ago at Penn State, when mm. when you know brawl, you know all out brawls, yeah. particularly between Penn State and yeah. Pitt, were pretty much de rigueur at the end yeah. of the game. That that's pretty much gone away with and a, lot, a lot of the taunting and things like that. So it actually has be, has become a much more uh, civil affair, mm. despite the you know the bone jarring uh, hits and all the rest of it. <clears throat> but there really are no rules in 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 presidential politics increasingly, and and this is unfortunate. I mean, politics has always been a dirty game, has always been a rigged game to be sure. But it's been taken to if not unprecedented levels, certainly levels that have not been seen since probably prior to the Civil War in the United States in terms of the no holds barred things that are being done. okay so for example, a, a quick review of recent history, the Democratic national you know establishment in DC literally stooped to every length short of outright assassination to keep uh, y- to destroy Donald Trump mm. starting before he even was elected the first time you know and, and and you know they spied on the campaign illegally, they manufactured you know the steel dossier, the Russian conspiracy, Uh, You know, the Russian collusion hoax, um, you know, crossfire hurricane operation uh, was all engineered by the deep state run by primarily by Democrats, you know, the likes of uh, Podesta and Panetta and and the Clintons and Barack Obama. All these people were were engineering this and they didn't stop even once it was proven beyond a reasonable doubt that Trump had nothing, there was no Russian collusion, Mm. there was no bribery then they moved on to the next thing you know the, the this the the absurd you know Ukrainian thing that ended up uh, with the trump impeachment and of course now it's gotten even worse with the lawfare and and everything else and and, and my, you know my my speculation is as, as to the apparent insanity of nikki haley continuing with this with this lost cause of hers is that maybe she and her enablers know something that we don't know and and I mean you know in we we know now for example that in the run up to the 2020 election <clears throat> there was a loose semi conspiratorial organization of establishment you know, deep state Democrats they called itself the Transition Integ- Integrity Project the TIP that got together and gamed out various scenarios of what they would do if Trump won in 2020 and 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 then tried to suppress his opposition by using lawfare. Uh, and and all, all the rest of this, um, you know, declaring the Biden supporters uh, insurgents if they went out into the streets and protested and rounded them up and jailed them. In other words... You mean the Trump supporters? No, no, the, this, this is the hypothetical mm. if Trump had won. Mm. And so what the, What they were saying was, you know, if Trump wins uh, and, and we can't actually cheat our way to a victory, if he actually becomes president, here are the things we're going to do. You know, we're going to have violent insurrections. There may be states... They referred to a block they called Cascadia, California, yeah, yeah, Oregon, yeah. you know, might secede from the, the country. A coastal state, yeah, I mean. secession, secession. We're going to resist by any means possible. And if they declare us an insurgency or an insurrection, you know, and try to jail us, then we're going to do this and that. In other words, they did all the things that they're accusing Trump and the January Sixers of doing. Yeah. Or yeah. they were planning to do those things. Absolutely. You know, and so, Yeah. Yeah. So they had it all gamed out. A number of different scenarios were considered and what to do. The idea being that if Trump gets reelected in 2020, or now, of course, 2024, the specter of a Trump president, second Trump term in office, has once again reared its, from their point of view, ugly face. And with it, this prospect that we're going to have a dictatorship. Trump is going to be a dictator. I mean, there have been all these pieces appearing in the mainstream media. Robert Kagan has authored a couple for The Washington Post recently, saying, you know, it's going to be a dictatorship uh, and yeah, then again, that he, seems
1: to be the narrative. There, right. And then he
2: characterizes the dictatorship in terms of exactly what Bi- the Biden administration has been doing for three and <laughs> a half years. <laughs> and that Trump didn't do. I mean, Trump was a very strange dictator during his four years. You know, he he did everything he could to to increase private gun ownership, to lower taxes, to dismantle the the administrative state, to reduce the regulatory he burden. He pushed back on, you know, on COVID tyranny. Because, of course, tyranny. that's what dictators always do. Yeah. I, I'm recalling my history. When Hitler came to power, the first thing he did was relax the gun laws in Germany and uh, encourage laissez-faire capitalist economics. Oh, wait, he didn't do that, did he?
1: And stay out of global entanglement. Yeah, ones? no, no. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely Wars. insane.
2: Yeah. So, so, so the point is that I think that it's possible That the people enabling continue to enable Nikki Haley and her her fatuous bid Mm -hmm. for the nomination may know something we don't know, i.e., that something like the TIP has been gaming out. Well, what's going to happen if it looks like like Trump is actually going to win and he becomes this unstoppable electoral juggernaut? How do we stop him? Or
1: could it could it be as simple as the and, fact and, that well, and part of that plan
2: would have to mean we need to have in place a viable establishment alternative waiting in the wings?
1: Well, what about in case he's thrown in jail? Surely they're thinking of that. Absolutely they're obviously hoping for Absolutely. that. Absolutely, sure. You know, so this and, is all very
2: speculative. We don't know. I hasten to add, but but you know, what, my, I, my suspicion is there's some there's more to this than just Haley's personal. I, I
1: think that's more than speculation because there's always more to know than than what we're told. There's always behind the get uh, behind the scenes scheming. So thank you, Steve, for that. Next up, legal scholar Joe Wolverton joins us to discuss a woman who was convicted for crimes committed by her son.
0: Hey America, how tired are you of mainstream corporate media's biased narratives and manipulated news? Their dishonesty and attempts to influence this generation have been exposed, put on display for anyone who's even half paying attention. But the new American magazine has been an honest source of news and commentary for over 50 years. This is your opportunity to receive the stalwart of principled journalism at a deep discount. Picture a beautifully published magazine arriving at your doorstep twice a month, packed with insightful stories written with integrity. It's also available digitally on the New American's mobile app. Get up to speed with intelligent coverage from a freedom perspective. Right now, for a limited time, the New American is available to radio listeners at a 25% discount on a new subscription. Visit thenewamerican.com slash radio25 and receive 25% off. Subscribe today at thenewamerican.com slash radio25.
1: The New American has just released our latest bookazine, a a collection of articles on self-reliance. It's called Self-Reliance Foundation of Freedom. Without individual responsibility and without the ability to take care of ourselves without government help, we cannot be free. In this Polish Collector's Edition, we have articles on a number of important topics, including the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearm self-reliance, building a wood shack, and the importance of community, among many other topics. Now, the authors of the articles are experts in their fields. We encourage you to get a copy. You can order your copy at thenewamerican.com forward slash shop, or you can call our office at 800 800- However you do it, make sure you get your copy of Self-Reliance, The Foundation of Freedom. Should a mother be criminally liable for a crime that her son committed? On Tuesday, a jury in Oakland County, Michigan, found Jennifer Crumbly guilty of four counts of involuntary manslaughter for the four murders that her son committed when he went on a shooting rampage at Oxford High School in November of 2021. Her son, Ethan, who is now 17, he pleaded guilty to his crimes and he was sentenced last December to life in prison without parole. And now his mother, Jennifer Crumbly, who will be sentenced on April 9th, faces up to 15 years in prison per count on four involuntary manslaughter convictions. So, why was Crumbly found guilty? She didn't help plan the school shooting spree, she didn't encourage her son to do it either. And it's, lo- it's not like she knew of her son's plans, but decided not to do anything about it. Nope. What happened is the prosecution portrayed her as a bad and neglectful parent. Also, Crumbly and her husband, who's also going to be tried separately, gave their son a handgun as a present, one which they didn't properly store. This was the weapon that their son used to commit his crimes. After the verdict was announced, the jury foreperson said that the decision was very difficult, but that the thing that really hammered it home was that she was the last adult with a gun. So joining us now is our resident legal scholar, Joe Wolverton. Hey Joe Wolverton.
3: Hey Paul Dragu,
1: how are you? Well, pretty good all things considering. Now this is a pretty interesting and strange story. Joe, how often are people found guilty um, by relationship or guilty of crimes that they didn't directly commit?
3: Well, (laughs) very rarely in this context. You know, the charge of involuntary manslaughter basically means, as you explained, she didn't plan it. She didn't know he was going to do it, but she knew or should have known that her actions had the potential to cause to, to result in homicide. And so in this case, it's like you said, the prosecution says, you know, she was neglectful. Had she been a better mother, her son wouldn't have been uh wouldn't have been driven to take such drastic actions. He would have been more cared for and wouldn't have been so violent. And then also they said, she and her husband didn't properly store the weapon yeah. therefore therefore making it easier for him to access the weapon
1: well it, but that's what makes this unique because we have people under 18 unfortunately going around especially in in these urban areas and unfortunately they they kill people they shoot people whatever what makes this different is it because uh, I don't know those people don't necessarily have the guns from their parents or how, what's what's the difference here is it well, I just like well, you explain? Well, I think what
3: we've got going on, well, it, that's what they claim. I think what we've got going on is this is a novel approach in a red state to have a backdoor to gun control. Well, Michigan's not a red it, we,
1: state, Joe. What do you mean? Michigan? Yeah.
3: Michigan's not a red state. Oakland County, Michigan, I, I, I think they're pretty, I mean, blue, I said red. Blue. Sorry, yeah,
1: let's I go should, back. Yeah, it's
3: not. Blue state. Sorry. Yeah. So the point is, whatever color they are, teal, they're trying to get, it's a backdoor to gun control, basically, mm-hmm. because you can't, you might not be able to, to regulate them in the way you like. But the question I have is if he'd committed these crimes with a knife, would his mother still have been held accountable based on the neglectful parent? Mm,
1: that's such a good no, question.
3: No way. There's no way. Yeah. Right? There's no way she'd... So it's just a backdoor to gun control. But the the problem is the neglectful parent theory really falls flat in the age of of public school. Because it's one of the core principles upon, upon which public school was sold to Americans is that teachers who will spend an inordinate amount of time with their students will be held in loco parentis in the place of a parent.
1: Oh, so should we have so, should we hold teachers liable? Shouldn't we? Principals? Exactly. The whole school administration,
3: if we're being intellectually honest, yes, because Lee huh? if we're being intellectually consistent honest, then we say the teachers agree upon, upon becoming public school teacher, you agree. You sign a form saying, I know that I will be held legally in loco parentis, in the place of a parent that that child, while he's under my care, I will be as a, as if I were a parent to him. So we can say, were the teachers neglectful? They spend eight, nine hours a day, five days a week with this kid. Yeah. What's their percentage of accountability? Let's break it down and make it jointly and severally severally liable. Let's make everyone who contributed some percentage Mm. liable for what he did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what you're saying rings true because they're always trying to figure out a way because they can't ever pass gun legislation that they that would restrict our our rights. I mean, they've tried. They're always trying. And so now there seems to be lots of uh, these backdoor uh, approaches and this may be one of them. I mean, they, you know, they've Sheila Jackson from Texas had once had a bill and it may just be languishing somewhere where she wanted people to pay insurance. If you have a gun, like just astronomical insurance, uh, they wanted to put a tax on ammo that would be like more than the ammo itself and whatnot. So I, it wouldn't be beyond, but how would that work? Because, uh, is this something that the prosecutors are kind of finagling without telling the jury? Is that what you figure?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it, the prosecutors are an arm of the government of Michigan. And it's it's just a way, like you say, it's, it's a backdoor. It's a thinly veiled government regulation of firearms. And you can do it in a way that allows you to portray yourself as coming out in favor of increased parent responsibility, which conservatives would get behind, right? So you can sell it a bit easier if you say... I'm trying to increase parent responsibility parent accountability to make stronger homes when in reality all you're trying to do is give yourself a new Avenue toward disarming the people yeah. because you will have those parents who say forget it I'm not buying my kid a gun if on the outside chance I'll be able you know be going 15 years to prison because of some because it doesn't have to be murder right you can be held you know the the concept of of being held liable for some felony. What if he uses it to rob a store? Mm, yeah. Right? What if he uses it simply, uh, he doesn't discharge it, but he uses it and makes it aggravated, aggravated theft, any of those sorts of things. There is no line being drawn here, except to say you are the parent. You must be responsible for the act of your child. That's rubbish. And we all know it's rubbish because public schools exist. Because one of those newspapers said, she was more interested in her hobbies and in her in her paramour than she was in being a parent. Well, Paul, I'll say the silent part out loud for everybody. Public schools exist based on the notion that we wanted to give mom and dad more time for other things besides parenting. Yeah. School is nothing more than teenage daycare.
1: Yeah. 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 And uh, and, and it's uh... I was talking to my wife about this last night. How crazy it is! How much time kids who are in public school and other activities spend away from their parents, and we wonder. Uh, we have a f- uh, fifty seconds left here. One of the things I wanted to ask you is: Is this likely to set a precedent? Is that part of the alterity or uh, the ulterior motive here, or that you may suspect?
3: Undoubtedly, I think this is going to be one of those avenues that, if it's proven successful here, others will follow suit and hope. And in these uh, blue states hope that they will be similarly successful elsewhere as a way to to regulate firearms.
1: And and it doesn't sound like there's any appeal. No one's talking about appealing or anything. It sounds like they're taking their their licks and they're just going to do their time. So there doesn't it sounds like this is the way this one's going to be, huh?
3: It, It does sound like that, but it should make us all reflect on why public schools exist and what level of accountability
1: schools should have for these acts. Thank you, Joe Overton. Next up, European farmers recently caught a break after weeks of protesting EU farming restrictions. In
0: 1988, the John Birch Society produced a documentary so predictive, it's as though they had a time machine Out of Control, Immigration Invasion was produced and hosted by investigative reporter William F. Jasper and looks at the growing problem of unrestricted illegal immigration that, in 1988, already saw upwards of 10 to 20 million illegal aliens within the borders of the US. Unknown agents from around the world using the southern border as easy entry. Certainly some are innocent families escaping hardship, but also certainly some are criminals, potentially terrorists, Is it not appropriate that there be some criteria for the entry of any sovereign nation? Why should the U.S. be different than Canada, Germany, Russia, Japan, or every other country on the planet? Out of Control. Immigration Invasion. Watch this time capsule of prescient wisdom at thenewamerican.com slash
1: outofcontrol. Hey, listeners and readers, we want to hear from you. We want to know what you think about the stories we report, the way we report them, and what you'd like to hear more and less of, and any other comments or questions related to the New American Daily. You can send your comments and questions to dailyshow at thenewamerican.com. That's dailyshow at thenewamerican.com. And during our Friday episodes, we'll read some of your comments. Again, send your questions to dailyshow at thenewamerican.com. Those are French farmers flinging manure with their farming implements on police cars and buildings. In other instances, they blocked highways with hay bales. They also dumped tractor tires in the middle of the highway. And it's not just French farmers. The Dutch, the Germans, the Spanish, they're all angry, and they're all showing it in very European ways. They're angry because their livelihoods are in jeopardy. And their livelihoods are in jeopardy because the aspiring overlords in the EU are pushing restrictions on farmers in the name of saving the environment. Now, the thing about it is, that the entire thing is a farce. The planet is not in any climate-related jeopardy. And it's certainly not in jeopardy because of modern farming. The whole thing is a big scam. It's designed to minimize resistance to their budding global technocracy. But it turns out that making a big stink about it pays off. Because European farmers recently notched a big victory in the fight against climate change madness. According to Political Europe, the intense farmer backlash against restrictions has prompted the bloc's executive body to ease climate demands in the 2040 climate proposal. According to the report, quote, the European Commission has dropped key passages in a proposal for a new 2040 goal for cutting greenhouse gas pollution. All sectors would need to contribute to the effort, the EU executive plan says. But a mention of a possible 30% cut to agricultural pollution between 2015 and 2040, which was in previous drafts seen by Politico, had been removed. Also removed were recommendations for citizens to make changes to their behavior, things like eating less meat, and a push to end fossil fuel subsidies. Despite the positive changes, a legal mandate for the EU to achieve climate neutrality by 2050, as laid out in the European Climate Law, remains. At the same time, while scrapping the anti-farmer provisions, the EU Commission decided on Tuesday to recommend a 90% reduction in net greenhouse gases emissions by 2040. The final decision on the skull will lie with the newly elected EU Commission and Parliament, which will be formed after the European Parliament elections in June. Eva Vlaardingerba, a Dutch political commentator and activist, called for persistence in fighting the net-zero scam. She posted on X, This is good news because it shows that protesting works and putting pressure on our overlords works. However, just dropping the requirements for 2040 is not enough. The entire agenda has to go. The Green Deal and the net zero scam has to go. We've won a battle, not the war. All right, Steve. So, again, I really like the way the Europeans use what they have. And it seems like, at least for the time being, they notched a very uh, substantial win there.
2: Well, I'm still kind of geeking out about that name, Vlardingerbrook. <laughs> if I ever get a dog, I think that's the name I'll give him. Right, something like that. But yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll take any victory we can get against the globalist Eurocrat establishment. Mm-hmm. And I say we only in the sense that obviously we're ideologically in sympathy to 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 a, to a large degree. We don't have a European Union yet. Mm-hmm. in the Western Hemisphere, although there, have, of course, been a number of attempts to, to construct something like that, yeah. but ha- haven't gotten very far, and, and obviously many of us are, you and I included, of course, are of European extraction, ultimately, so there's a certain you know vein of sympathy there. Mm-hmm. I, personally, am mostly Dutch and English, so I feel for these Dutch farmers. I mean, something that Americans, I think, often fail to realize is I mean, when we think of Europe, we think of old cities, history you know, classical civilization, you know, medieval cathedrals, all that kind of thing. Right, and I mean most people who go to Europe as tourists, that's what they see. They visit the cathedrals and the bridges and Mm. all the interesting ancient cities. I mean, Europe is a lot older than we are. But we forget that even densely populated Western Europe, even countries like like the Netherlands, which is one of the world's most densely populated countries, have a very robust agricultural sector. And this is in large measure because the European climate is actually, I have to say, probably better than our climate for growing cr- many crops because it's milder thanks to the the vagaries of the Gulf Stream. I mean, Europe is much farther north than we are, uh, you know, well, latitudinally. Sure. But yeah, much much further. I mean, Paris is like the same latitude as, as the James Bay or something like that. It's really quite extraordinary. And yet, um, you know, the, their winters are far, far milder and their summers are far milder. The soil is, I mean, France is a beautiful country uh, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, it's it's rich and green, wonderful yeah. soil. Same with the Netherlands. In fact, they, and then the Dutch are so enterprising as to have literally, i do not not reclaimed, but claimed for the first time a large part of their ter- ter- territory by barricading the ocean by creating the famous dikes. And so, um, you know, the United States, by contrast, I mean we're we're much larger. Our, our our you know the grain belt is 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 vast, but it does get really cold in the winter and extremely hot hot in the summer. Yeah, and you know th- th- well, those you- climatic extremes are not familiar to the Europeans, and so they grow this stuff well.
1: The, you know, very far- good at farmers
2: it. are still very important, mm-hmm. despite every. You know, we tend to think of Europe as this this urban and technological place, right? But it has
1: to get its food.
2: Th- it does. It absolutely. And they don't import it from South America or, or Africa. They grow it themselves. Yeah, like us, you know?
1: we we import a lot of stuff from South America. I cover ag, and and I know that the beef farmers here in the states are never happy that we import so. Could much Could I just beef. point
2: out something else too? I mean, it's it's interesting to me that the Europeans are apparently much more tolerant of higher degrees of political rowdiness than we are in the United yeah, States. I mean, I mean the, you know, the, the 9-11, or not the 9 the, the, the January six people didn't spray manure on the U.S. Capitol building or anything like no. that. Anything remotely approaching that. And yet this is not the first time this sort Oral of thing has happened. Or police
1: cars. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, they, 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 every so often, they have these sorts of very, very rowdy national uprisings. Yes, Farmers' uprisings, as I think we mentioned in a previous segment, are not a new thing in France. They've happened twice before in the last 15 years or so, and are pretty much the same every time. The farmers go out, these tractors, and they barricade the highways, and they, they spray manure all over the place and make a big stink, So literally. this is a tradition.
1: You know, it kinda. kind of is,
2: is becoming that. So, you know, it's it's sort of interesting that we, we tend to think, well, the Europeans are kind of like us, but they're more socialist and have bigger government, yeah. and we, by contrast. And they're whips you know, compared to us. Yeah, but apparently yeah, not necessarily so. Not necessarily, yeah. I mean... Obviously, some of this is because Europe has a much longer tradition of leftist-inspired revolutions like the French Revolution, the original French Revolution, the Paris Commune thing in the 1870s, all this, which were the same kind of disruptive events, in the case of the French Revolution, much more disruptive, uh, that were being billed as popular uprisings when they really weren't. And these kind of, obviously, 1848, the year that most of Europe was convulsed by supposedly spontaneous grassroots revolutions, all of them leftist. Although purporting to be democratic, so there's that you know. Whereas whereas Ameri- Americans, we sort of expect a certain amount of Republican order, small R Republican, and uh, so things like the yeah. rowdiness of January 6 are an affront to our sense of national decency and decorum. Well, and,
1: and so going back to this, I mean, this again is a very very good sign because I, I if. I may be among the many who kind of counted the Europeans out. And we always looked here in the yeah. States and we said, you know, if if this stop, if globalism is to be stopped, if this coming technocracy is to be stopped, it's all going to rest here in the United States. But that's not necessarily the case. The Europeans, to whatever degree, they're awoke. They're awakened but what's going to be interesting to see is how this holds it's like yeah they took those out of the their agenda and whatnot but these are very nefarious people this is a very nefarious agenda and it's based on a scam in the first place so who's to say when no one's looking or they're not going to look for another opportunity to put right that right back in place
2: well I mean a slight corrective I do think that our system of government American federalism under the Constitution is better than any one state in Europe Okay. However, that said, I mean, many of the European countries aren't bad, at least on paper. You know, mm. they do represent a broad range of, of uh, uh, re- re- recognize a broad range of human rights that are completely ignored in the Middle East and Asia and places like this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but then also, uh, they've, they've come a lot closer to the brink than we have. They've experienced the extremes of globalism and, and, and other things, you know, the, the woke, you know, the cultural Marxism, all that Totalitarianism. stuff. Totalitarianism. Have, have advanced a lot farther in Europe. So the reaction against them now is correspondingly more vehement. Than anything we've seen here so far
1: Well, you would think that they wouldn't they would push as far back as possible they would create as large a buffer as possible but they're not cuz they're always teetering on that socialist brink there thank you Steve after this the JBS national field coordinator joins us to talk about how birchers are making America great again the John Birch Society has been working tirelessly since 1958 to preserve freedom safeguard the Constitution and restore our God-given rights We continually educate voters and lead the freedom movement. Join us as we work against a tyrannical one-world government. United as one, we can defeat this conspiracy against
0: a free America. JBS founder Robert Welt said, education is our total strategy
1: and truth our only weapon. Join us in restoring this great nation. For more news and in-depth analysis from The New American Magazine, the kind that you will not get anywhere else, make sure you have a subscription to our twice-monthly print edition of The Magazine. No other magazine has been as accurate and for as long about where policy and culture were heading than The New American. You can subscribe online at thenewamerican.com. Just hit the magazine tab on top, and then on the drop-down, hit the subscribe button. Or, if you prefer, you can call for a subscription. Call one 800 727 8783, Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 Central Time. That's 800 727 8783. Joining me for today's action segment is the new National Field Director for the John Birch Society, John Schrock. Hi, John Schrock. Paul, how are you doing today? Oh, I am well. We're having fun as usual. And we are all really excited. Uh, I'm not just saying that because I pre planned to say that, but really, we are so excited that you're now uh, a field director. You've been in the field. Uh, you've you've earned uh, uh, you've earned your stripes there. And uh, today we're going to talk about some of these victories that Birchers are amassing across the country. Uh, in case some people haven't you know don't know, we have chapters and we have members in every state of the United States. Mm-hmm. And the organization that the John Birch Society has, uh, our folks is, uh, is 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 really good. Uh, it's something that you guys um, do in order to change. Uh, to change the direction of the country. So we, we focus on two things, education and and um, an organization. And organization is kind of uh, where you really come in, but I yeah. take it education is too. So, so tell us about what you guys do and tell us about some of these victories.
4: Well, you mentioned that we're having fun. I, I think of the old saying, if uh, you're not having fun while you're birching, you're not doing it the right way. Right? You know, birching is actually a fun uh, event when you go out and uh, be able to affect What's going on? You have to educate people about what's going on. On the previous segment, you were talking about uh, people getting organized, people getting uh, together. And that's what we're doing. And then people ask us the question are we getting anything done? Yeah. Well, I think about in Washington State, we have uh, um, our field coordinator out there, Polly Stickney, and she was able to uh, watch a DEI commission become dissolved. And, and to break in break, Washington in Washington State, the Socialist Republic up. yeah. And you say, well, there's nothing that we can do in Washington, but if we become educated and then we become activated, it's amazing what we can do. and we are seeing those victories. Connecting people, uh, getting people educated, then they connect with their state legislators, with their county officials, with their uh, elected officials at all levels, those things work. And we've seen that throughout our history since 1958. When we go and educate people, then we activate them. Mm-hmm. In the state of Indiana, we uh, watched uh, Rhonda Miller, the uh, coordinator there in uh, Indiana, uh, where they stopped a uh, anti-parents' rights bill. I mean, th- this was a, uh, a god-awful bill. Yeah. Um, that uh, it literally stated that some uh, uh, a police officer, just a police officer, not the police department, not coming from the office of the chief, not coming from um, anything. It's just if a police officer told the school that the parents were under investigation, it all of a sudden cut off the ability for parents to know about what's going on with their child.
1: That's insane.
4: Well, we stopped it. Well, we had to educate people about it. Then we activated them, and so we watched. Uh, we watched the uh, opportunity and seized the opportunity to dismantle. So that, the that was a bill. Agenda.
1: That was a proposal, huh? It was in the. In in the, the it was
4: in a. Uh, it was in a committee, and they were hearing it in order to uh, push it forward.
1: Yeah. and it was killed in committee. And we, we
4: killed it. We, we we won there. Then in Indiana, everybody t- tells me when the, as I go around across the country, they say, well, I live in a Republican state. Everything's really good. It's a deep red Republican state. And that's what Indiana is. It's got a, uh, a supposed Republican governor, a, a Republican House, and a, a supposed Republican Senate. And so it's the trifecta. They've got all of those. Well, yeah. they were trying to push through a bill that was going to bring the whole school, whole community, whole child initiative, the globalist agenda. Mm-hmm. And have full health clinics inside the schools so they'd be able to do top and bottom surgeries, change boys into being girls and girls into being boys. Well, they wouldn't really because we know that every uh, every uh, cell of your body uh, bears witness to no, whether no. you have an XX chromosome or an XY chromosome. They would chromosome. just change the exterior. They would just change the exterior. And
1: destroy these kids. And
4: destroy these kids. And so we have to educate. So we have to educate the people. We got people down uh, to the uh, uh, Indiana State uh, Capitol um, in January uh, talking about this uh, war on farmers. That's uh, not just in other uh, areas. It's not in other countries. This Here. battle is upon us inside of the United States. We uh, uh, saw a victory uh, yesterday. I got a text from uh, Leah Southwell, the uh, uh, coordinator um, out in South Dakota, and she was able to see a victory inside of the uh, State Senate of South Dakota. There's too many L's, S's in that State <laughs> Senate of, of, of South Dakota, yeah. um, and killed uh, three CONCON bills um, inside of that. Article wow. 5 constitution. Article bill. 5 uh,
1: constitution uh, bills. So they killed it over there because every every year these these con-con people led by the convention of states they come out and they try and it seems like they're always trying to get the same states because and there's always in the way South Dakota, mm-hmm. Iowa, Montana, uh, I think Utah and whatnot. So I that's news to me. So I'm really excited. Sorry to <laughs> pause you there. Go on. Oh,
4: no worries. No worries. This is the activity that we are doing, it, and we're having fun doing it. So getting people out, getting people involved, having the viewers... Sign up for the John Birch Society. We'll have fun doing it, Um, and we'll get you plugged into a uh, a chapter meeting. We'll get you uh, to form a chapter if we don't have one there in your area, and we will get you active. We will have you making a difference. Um, We've got uh, uh, people putting together action committees in Texas in order to restore constitutionalism. Mm -hmm. Their goal is to be able to get into uh, talking with the local elected officials. All of the material um, that we have at the John Birch Society is ready to be used. What we're missing is people.
1: Yeah, yeah. What Robert Welch, the founder of John Birch Society, he used to say that quite often. Uh, he used that analogy that what we need are more pullers at the oars. Yes. You know, one of the things we do quite often here, and, and some uh, who don't like us, they say, you know, you go on and on about how you guys were right. Well, why didn't you stop it? You know, and then I, I would argue, and I think we both argue, uh, if it weren't for the John Birch Society— the war would be over, the globalists would have won. Now, we are obviously not in the position we want to be. I think anyone can acknowledge that. But I think, and and I'm sure you agree, the, the reason is because we haven't had enough pullers at the oars. And I think a large reason of that is that a lot of people didn't believe that what is happening today was coming. We have been warning, you said, we started in 1958. That's when the, officially, the organization started. But you know, by 1959, we were launching all over the place and whatnot. And we were screaming. From the mountaintops, that this is coming. They want to build a, a new world order, and it's going to be a totalitarian type new world order. And yes. now we are seeing it. It's at the gates. But, but I think we're also in the best position ever because now we have more people awake than ever. Correct. Are you seeing on the ground? Is it easier now to convince people of what's happening and thereby that why they need to get activated and start pushing back?
4: I think the ease of education may have a uh, uh, it may be uh, lightening up, so it's getting easier in a way. But then we have the detractors that those are the ones that want to say that well, it was just a one off. I see that there, and I can say that that was a problem. They don't see the global conspiracy, Mm. and so being able to educate them on that. As I was uh, here um, at the uh, JBS headquarters and looking in our library. Um, I I go back to our 1996, I don't have the date in front of me, but our 1996 uh, New new American magazine, and it talked about the coming global control. If you didn't look at the date, you would have thought that it was written in 2024. Right. Because they they step-by-step plan, they're going to have comprehensive plans. Oh, my, that's what they're doing. We just had uh, people, uh, uh, Birchers, go to, to their county commission meeting on Monday. They got like 28 of them uh, to the county commission uh, meeting, and they they educated the commissioners on that. They're going to be bringing in uh, global money. You watch the track record of it. In 2013, we were one of the first organizations to talk about Common Core education. We've got the material, to use the term from Robert Welch, the Disciplined Rowers of the Oars, so we give you the material we give you the action and we help you with it
1: yes and it's it it all works together so if you do your part in your community someone's doing their part you know like you said you got people working here in Washington State we got Indiana and of course we got folks in Georgia we got folks in Texas Texas. and we got even folks in California right on the front lines so what we're gonna do is we are going to include a link in the description where how you can contact a local coordinator we have this awesome uh, feature on the website where you put in your zip code and it'll get you your your local coordinator and it'll get you started so you can get plugged in because I, I you know obviously I'm biased but I don't think anyone is doing a better job than the John Birch Society as as far as as uh, amassing and 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 mobilizing and stopping this and I think we're on the brink of it so good job congratulations uh, thank you uh, as a new national field director and we look forward to having you back and keep up the good work Birchers And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of New American Daily. Remember to visit thenewamerican.com for more truth behind the news.